0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
1: The following is a post time with Mike and Mike. Red Dog shit. Up on the stretch, Mick is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again, cutting into the margin, but it's McWickett four years later, back at the top of the sport. <laughs> Homicide Hunter who sweeps fast to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Gideon! So
2: Dewey did done good down the Boulevard of Broken
1: Dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Gideon! Three wide, all bets off there at the top of the stretch.
0: Rock
3: and Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rock
0: and Ron, bit of a legend on the outside. Bit of a legend. This year's battle champions, Midia. 23 and 1. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer. Nine.
1: Somewhere, Pinchy rocking in heaven. Rose Run West is there. Here is the French Connection. The Alerts have won it. Fine, Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now, Caviar and Alley in full gear outside. short starting a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's gonna dig in here and get the win here. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter.
0: Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again! Tough as nails!
1: And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Giddy up!
0: Don't.
4: Touch that dial, you've got another action
3: of action Thursday morning. So, folks, time with Mike, Mike presented I, the United States Product Association in Test America. Mike Carter, normally joined by Mike Bozich, but we're joined by uh, my colleague here at the USDA, Wendy Ross. And Wendy, it's good, but, uh, glad to have you fill in with us uh, here this morning. As Mike Bozich is on assignment, it's going to be a fun show.
4: Michael, it's always a pleasure to be on here with you guys, and to co-host is one of my favorite things to do, so thank you for having me back here once again, and hats off to you as you were at Northfield last night. Right.
3: Yeah. Down here for
4: work today, so <laughs> you're you're an iron horse yourself. But hey, you know what I really like is that new opening you guys have too. It's it's something for sure.
3: Yeah, Mike uh, helped create it uh, last night, and I uh, sent it over to me. so said he thought it was the best one yet, and we kick things off. We kicked 2018 off with a new open. Just about every year, uh, we were a couple of weeks late, but hey. Better late than never. We got it up. We got it good to go. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, lots of great uh, races involved in that, uh, in the uh, open that we had.
4: Well, in the words of Kentor Payne, giddy up for today's show.
3: <laughs> All right. We've got a fantastic show coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking to some award winners uh, today, Wendy. Uh, we're going to talk to Heather Vitale, who is the Ushua Member of the Year. I'll tell you what. There is nobody in this sport like Heather Vitale. Uh, she is a very bubbly up person. She does a lot of fantastic things. And she's also the daughter of Jim and Joanne Looney King.
4: Yeah, she's, you know, always been sensational, the things she does. What sets her apart is that personality and, and, you know, her selflessness of giving to the sport of harness racing. She's just a bright and shining star. You see that smile. Uh, she's got that spark sparkle that makes her unique. And, you know, all of these people have done great things for the sport. But I think Heather has set a bar for people uh, over the years and, and given certain people uh, – kind of a way to follow and and a way to be in the sport and you know hats off to her such a deserved honor and it's about time
3: all right we're also going to be talking to the COO of the Hamiltonian Society Moira Fanning let me tell you something I've seen a lot of people work extremely hard and and their work some get noticed some don't but Moira Fanning is kind of the what I would call the unsung hero of the sport Uh, she is Deep in all the marketing efforts for some of the Grand Circuit races. And I'll tell you what, if you've never seen Moira work, you really need to check it out.
4: Yeah, I think Moira is one of those people, Michael, that she's behind a lot of scenes that people don't know. And, and you know, she's instrumental in getting certain things done that, that a lot of people don't know. So it's, you know, she's uh, another person that will be irreplaceable in the sport of harness racing. And she certainly is special. And uh, it'll be great to talk with her.
3: All right. We're also going to talk to a 2018 Breakthrough Award winner, Ray Catolo. Ray is the. Host of North American Harness Update. Uh, this was award an award I actually uh, won last year, so it'll be kind of cool to talk about talk to Ray about his show. Um, th- last year, it was myself, Ryan Macedonia, and Ray Catolo. The three podcasts were up for the award, and that made it kind of cool because we were able to kind of join each other's shows and talk about um what each other is doing to help promote the sport of harness racing and they do a great job uh, from a handicapping aspect
4: yeah i thought when you won it last year that was really well deserved you know the mike and mike show uh i'm not just saying this (laughs) really sets a high standard and and sets a high bar but you know ray katola doing great things as well i know that uh it was very highly noticed throughout um the United States Hardest Writers Association and, and, you know, people. uh, He's another one that really is doing great things and and congratulations to him.
3: We'll be talking also to Chris Gooden, who is the Unsung Hero uh, Champion for 2018. He's a track photographer at the Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Um, He's known for his social media presence. He does so many things uh, with different cameras, different videos and stuff. It'd be cool to kind of talk to Chris about uh, what he does and his... We kind of joke on social media about this, about his need for a bigger all for all of his awards because he's gotten a lot of accolades over the last couple of years.
4: Well, he's another one, Michael, that certainly deserves it. He's just a cool dude, too. you know. He's just out there, just loves harness racing, loves doing what he what he does, and man, he can take really cool photos, and he kind of sets a bar. I, I think uh, a lot of the photographers in the past in our sport have done some cool things, but he's really taken it uh, and some innovative ideas uh, and pushed them out there on social media and have tied social media and photography and made it really cool uh, for the sport of harness racing.
3: Now, speaking of Chris Gooden, he's on, in the On deck circle. We'll be right back. We'll take a quick timeout. Chris Gooden will be up first. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association.
0: at bet america we don't do promotions only for new players as a regular player at betamerica.com you can take advantage of several promotions each week go to betamerica.com extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks it's just another reason why it's time to play the bet america way
3: The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check with the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org.
0: We're
3: back in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter, joined by Wendy Ross. We're joined now by Chris Gooden. And, Chris, listen, it only took you a, a, about a year to get your Post Time with Mike and Mike award. Did you find a spot on the mantle for it?
5: Uh, no, it's sitting on the floor. <laughs> oh, oh,
3: thanks. <laughs> That's good to know. Well, listen, Chris. Well, uh, I, you
5: know wait. I, the reason it's sitting there is, you know, I do have two more coming, so I'm waiting for those two before I hang everything up at once.
3: Yeah, you had to push them all down, and ours just happened to fall on the floor. I see. I, you know, I see how it goes. But uh, let, let
5: let let's talk a
3: little bit about that uh, unsung hero award, Chris. Um, you you've done some fantastic things at the Meadows uh, Racetrack and Casino. You've done some great things for social media. Talk to us about kind of what this award means to you.
2: Wow.
5: Um. <laughs> You always catch me off guard. I mean, I kind of have expecting the (laughs) question, but I don't ever really, like, have a good answer for that. Um, I mean, as always, it's an honor to receive anything in in the sport, the the accolades. I mean, it's been a a great two years for me. But uh, I guess this one means a lot because it means that, that, you know, all of the stuff that I've done for probably the past three or four years seems to finally have paid off. Um, I guess people really are seeing what I do at daily at the Meadows when we race and uh, between photos and videos and, you know, wherever I can get a camera, wherever I'm allowed to put a camera, um, you know, pushing the envelope is my thing. But uh, it, it's it's a pretty big honor to me.
4: Hey, Chris, it's Wendy. How are you?
5: Good, Wendy. How are you?
4: Good. Congratulations on your award. It's so well-deserved. I mean, so you, you know, you've been doing things at the Meadows like you say there for about three or four years and it it's finally paid off, but you know what? You've really helped to put the Meadows, the Meadows itself does great things, but I really think uh, tying you in there with the MSOA, you guys have really done some really cool things together and you work together to do things like that. Would you say it's a team effort overall?
5: Oh, definitely. I'm in contact with, with Donnell constantly about, you know, things going on at the Meadows and, and, uh, all of the events that's going to happen, even if it's just little things on a daily basis, but we're always talking to each other about things that are going to happen and things that do So that way. Everybody's prepared and, and know what's going on. So we don't miss anything.
4: Now you talk about pushing the envelope of putting the camera in some <laughs> places. Is there anywhere that, that you'd like to put it that you haven't been able to yet? <laughs> do you got any ideas or are you keeping those in your hat?
5: No, I mean, I, pretty much, you know, I go to the commission and I ask, and, and it's very rare that they say no. Um, I don't think they've actually told me no on anything just yet. Um, there are some things that I've seen some people do in the industry that I'd like to do that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think that uh, that I don't know if I'll get away with, but uh, we're going to try. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Chris, uh, talk to talk to us a little bit about the arsenal of cameras uh, that you have. Um, I know me and you have spent the last few weeks kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and things of that sort. But how much does the quality of those cameras play, play into the quality of the pictures that you take? Um,
5: well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because uh, I'm the kind of person that thinks I can get more out of a camera than uh, – the everyday person. Um, I pour over the information online of whatever I want to use and make sure everything that I, that I use, I can get as much as possible out of. Um, Right now I still have my two cannons that I shoot with, but I added a new camera and uh, believe it or not, everybody talks about full frame sensors, full frame for quality. I went the opposite direction. I went with a micro four third sensor, which not to get too technical, is about half the size. Yeah, that's a little
3: too big for me there. I mean, you know, let, let's bring it down to me here.
5: <laughs> um, basically, uh, the camera, um, it's a pro camera. It's designed to do pro work, and I'm going to have a lot of pros that are going to look down on me because I'm using it. But, um, A, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I'll be 50 years old this year. So Whoa. It's, uh, you never know. You would yeah, never know. The tattoos. I tell everybody that all the time. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, I like what the camera does. It it kind of almost is like me. It thinks outside of the box. It does some things that are different um, that's actually probably going to help me this year in racing. And uh, as you can see, out of the few photos that I've used it for so far, I mean, its quality is tremendous.
4: Yeah, Um, I've seen But, you know, I mean, no, go ahead, Wendy. No, I was going to say, I saw some of the things that you posted the last couple of days, and they have been sensational. I really like some of the shots on the gates and uh, some of the up-close and personal shots that you've taken some of the horses. So, yeah, it, it really is something. So just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks.
1: I'll,
5: I'm never going to do that. i <laughs> now, always going here, here's shoot what I want to
3: shoot. Here's the key question, Chris. How many cameras do you own?
5: Without incriminating
3: yourself uh, in getting yourself in trouble with your wife.
5: It, that I actually use? Yes. Or that I just have? That you <laughs> there's have. It's <a> different. <laughs> uh, well, that I, ha- I have a really nice collection of older cameras. So, I mean, there's probably – they're sitting in front of me right now. We have a little alcove in our, in our living room. There's probably about 30 cameras in there alone. But that- on a daily basis uh, – I can't say daily basis because I don't use everything that I have daily. But uh, – I'd say probably somewhere about a dozen cameras that I'll use throughout the year on all the various different things that I do with the track.
3: And now, now I usually when,
5: typically add one a year.
3: Now, listen, wait a minute. Wait, Wendy, some people have Wall of Fame's or showcases in their house. He's got a camera case in his living room. How do you like that?
4: I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. That's for sure. Now, Chris, you know, I would say that you're, um, you know, a pretty private guy. You're you're out there, but you know, you're you're pretty private. Tell us something about. Tell the fans something that makes you unique as far as uh, that ties into uh, the greatness that you put out in your career. What What do you think is the one thing that you'd like the fans to know?
5: Um. Well, I think that. Wow. Way to get me twice Just in the episode. Um. Honestly, you know, when I came into harness racing, it was 1998. And uh, that's pretty much when I started photography as well. It was about the same time. And I just kind of lucked into the job. And I took over in 2002. And I also shot weddings. And I left for a little while out of harness racing because the wedding business got so involved. And I was taught. Like I can't say taught, but, you know, I had a couple people that were really, you know, the people that I considered role models and, and, and learning from them. And one was a wedding photographer out of Australia, and his work was just mind-blowing to me. And being able to not emulate him completely, but be able to take a lot of the things that he taught and incorporate them into racing has actually been one of the few things I think that I've used it Kind of keeps an edge about me and keeps me different than everybody else. Well, Chris,
3: uh, listen, man. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy, uh, busy day. We know you got a lot going on, but listen, where can people uh, find you on social media? Where can we order photos and things of that sort? I know you got sort of a new website layout set up. Uh, give it, give yourself a little bit of a uh, plug.
5: Uh, well, you can search for me on Facebook at Chris Gooden. Uh, Twitter is See Gooden Photos. I think I can never remember. I've been very <laughs> lax this year. I have literally not used Instagram since Audio Day. I've been so busy, so I, I'm mad at myself about that, and I got to get back on that. But uh, you know, Michael, I, I'm embarrassed to say, but I can never remember the name of my new website. I don't. I think oh it's Chris Gooden Photos. Shootproof. Com. But it's where okay. everybody can go online and view the, what we shoot or what I shoot, and uh, they can buy from there. I wanted to make it a little bit easier for everybody this year to be able, if they wanted to buy a photo of their horse, they could just go online and buy it. They didn't have to, like, contact me if they didn't want to. and just I wanted to make it easier and streamlined.
3: All right, Chris. well, listen, keep doing fantastic things, and uh, listen, we'll probably be having you on this show next year. You'll probably win the President's award or something along those lines. so uh <laughs> get, <laughs> yeah, keep the room on the mantel. that's for sure.,
5: uh, thank you guys so much for having me on.
3: All right, buddy. Well, Chris is good and doing some fantastic things, Wendy, and I tell you, he does amazing work at the Meadows. Um, he won a Small's Reed Award last year. Uh, excuse me, not Small's Read, a Hervey last year uh, for one of his photos. Uh, you know, he's just doing fantastic things.
4: He certainly is. And like I said, he's just a cool dude overall. And if you ever see him out, he's someone that you, that you want to meet and shake his hand. He's probably got some, you know, something cool to say. He's just he's fun to have in the sport of harness racing. All
3: right, coming up next, I am looking. Forward to this interview Heather Vital, our girl Heather sitting on the line she's been waiting very patiently and uh, listen Heather I won't tell I won't tell you any of the funny stories that Wendy's told about you it's okay no I'm just kidding she hasn't told me anything we're just going to put her on the spot there but uh, I know she's uh, on the line she's waiting for us uh, we've been waiting very patiently she'll be on up next you've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Better America and the United States Trotting Association
1: New Vocations Resource Adoption Program retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program Celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Eight seven eight two extension five 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 five. Windback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts and a Breeders' Crown Champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown Champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, My MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com.
4: Wendy Ross and Michael Carter back here with Mike and Mike today as I'm filling in for the one and only Michael Bozich. We are sponsored by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Joining us now, waiting in the wings. I don't know if she's waiting patiently. It's hard for her to do that. She's probably she's screaming and throwing glitter around. But Heather Vitale, she's the Bushwin of the Year, daughter of Joey and King, sparkle of harness racing, one of the hosts of
6: Post Time. Heather, so glad to have you
4: with us today. How are
7: you
6: doing? Hey, guys. Oh, so good. And you know what? I do have a lot of patience because I'm like that Ariana Grande song, Thank You, Next. Where one okay. taught you patience, one taught you love. Yeah, I had a boyfriend that taught me a lot of patience once, so I've got I've got it coming out of my ears. And actually, I just called in early because I wanted to listen to Chris, so I was just hanging out on the phone, loving the interview.
3: Well well listen thank you you know Mike and I never did thank you uh we we have to thank you we owe you a little bit of gratitude for not suing us for stealing the name of uh stealing the name of yourself <laughs> so you know we we just want to clear the air right now that heather heather didn't sue us we're you know we're in good graces with heather you know heather likes us we like heather so everything's good there right
6: Yeah everything is good there absolutely <laughs>
3: All right, Heather. Well, let's listen, let's dive into uh, your award. You are the Ushwin of the year, the Ushua member of the year. And I tell you, you know, Heather, they could not have picked a better person for this. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that just because you're on the line, but, you know, your your bubbly personality, your social media presence, it's just infectious. And it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, there, there, anybody who has anything negative to say about it can, you know, go somewhere else and join another sport because I tell you, I think every sport in every industry needs an infectious person like you. Uh, talk to us, uh, uh kind of about what this award means to you and, uh, you know, were you surprised by it?
6: Uh, yeah, actually, when uh, Sean Wiles called me and said, Hey, the president of Ushua, he said, Hey, you are Ushua of the year, and I started screaming, I mean, like. Screaming. And then I stopped and I thought, wait, are you there? I was like, have I busted an eardrum? And he's like, no, you're good. You're good. I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> and so I was very surprised and extremely honored. I I, I did want this award. I didn't go campaigning for it. Just kind of held the intention that one day I was going to get it uh, because this is a big award for me.
4: Well, I think it's definitely something you've deserved. You've been all over the world multiple times just promoting the sport of harness racing. And, and Heather, what do you think just drove you to do it your entire life? I, I know Holly, uh, Bob Hayden, Hollywood Hayden, and I have talked about it. You've been, you've been at it for quite a few years now and just had that passion. And, you know, it's what sets you apart from others in the sport. And what, what makes you do it and is ha- has kept you having that passion?
6: Yeah, I think it is just the new stories that come around. Uh, I think it's just like any sport where you're into the human interest side of things. There's always a new horse to do a story on or a new driver, a new trainer, you know, and I love getting those stories and I love going behind the scenes. And that's what drives me just – the the new things that are going on and of course like I've always believed and will always believe that the horses are the stars of the sport so I try my best to focus on them and uh, bring out their personalities but uh, and again you know I am a third generation horse girl so this is bred in me and it's in my blood and I just always will be indebted to this sport I love it.
3: Now, Heather, i got to ask, because you're meeting, you meet celebrities, it seems like, everywhere you go. You, you met Matt Hardy a couple of weeks ago, but tell, talk to us about this, this relationship that you have with the governor of Delaware. This has kind of become a yearly thing at the Horseman Awards where you guys have kind of gotten the chance to hang out and uh, do some talking with each other. But, you know, I, I saw the picture on Facebook, uh, you know, about a week or so ago. Talk to us about kind of how that relationship formed and how you guys got him involved uh, in harness racing.
6: Well, I'll tell you what, when you were living in a small state like Delaware, we are the second smallest state in the Union, if you want to say that, in the country. And um, sorry if there's a little bit of background noise. I was trying to get somewhere okay. a little bit quiet. I'm actually sitting at a Dunkin' Donuts hiding behind an ATM machine. So, <laughs> true story. So anyway, um, yeah, that's how much I love you guys. So um, in a small state of like – Thankfully, the legislators have either friends or relatives that have been involved in harness racing, and the governor um, sees how much this sport does for uh, our agricultural business. We are the second largest agricultural business in Delaware, second to chickens. He was the the, um, secretary of finance when we started the Delaware Standard Red Breeders Fund, and he started loving harness racing uh, back in the 90s, and he is just. You know, been involved in it all the way through his, you know, governorship. He was lieutenant governor at one point, um, a congressman, and now he is the governor. And he is so great. Uh, He's become a true friend to the sport, and he comes to our banquet every single year.
4: Yeah, that banquet looked like it was a lot of fun. I've never been out that way, but it certainly looks like you guys know how, how to have a good time out there, Heather. And are you the master of ceremonies, is it correct?
6: Yes, along with Bill Ellis. Who is also a Ashwan, and he is in the Hall of Fame, the New England Harness Raiders Hall of Fame, Bill Ellis. Now, Heather, you know, having you know,
4: talking about you being in the sport for all these years, being a, a fellow female on-air personality in the sport of harness racing, what is an word of advice that you could give to the up-and-coming? Uh, younger ladies coming up, that wanting to do what you and I do. What what is a bit of advice that you could say to them, and and just overall, just something to tell them. Hey, do this and keep your head up and and just stay at it. What what would you tell them?
6: Yeah, I mean, just what you said, I mean, absolutely. And I, I know you were saying to Chris earlier about, you know, um, what you do is great. It doesn't matter what other people say. You know, it's okay to be a little bit different. And I've always told people that what I do, uh, it's not necessarily the right way because I can be a bit – Quirky and a bit crazy, but I do it differently, and I do it the way I want to do it, and I stay honest. So I would tell, you know, young girls, stay honest to yourself. And I do want to tell you a quick story because Ellen Harvey and I laugh about this. I don't know if you uh, know Ellen Harvey, and she was part of uh, Harness Racing Communication, Uh, Harry Harvey's daughter, been in the business all her life. She was one of my bosses. And she told me once. she goes, you know, um, why don't you, because uh, we were talking about publicity and harness racing, and uh, at that time I was young and really trying to find myself, and I think she was quite unsure of me, right? Nah. And she said, why don't you go and check out the Army? I actually went to an Army recruit office <laughs> And I came okay. so close Whoa. to signing. I know, I know. And and we joke about it now that it would have been Private Benjamin the sequel. If you've ever seen that movie with Goldie Hawn, oh. where she comes so up and she's like, That's "Do so they true. have these in a different color? You know, with the with the camos." So anyway, um yeah, and I I didn't and now Ellen uh is so proud of me as are all the mentors because uh they taught me so well and I thank them but yeah. Like you said, just keep just keep going at it and don't listen to what other people say and be true to yourself the way you want to do it.
3: You know, you know Heather, I I think you and both you and Wendy talk about a good point there. You know, we we try to, you know, you you try to change for you know, to do X job or Y job or whatever. But, you know, you all, I feel like you always have to stay true to your, like your person. Um, you always have to be you because without you, it's kind of a, I, I don't want to call it a fake thing. Cause that's not it's kind of a scripted thing. And, and that's one thing I love about your like live videos and things of that sort. It's never, ever scripted. It's 100% raw emotion. And I think that's what really brings out the power of it.
6: Thank you. You know, it's funny, when I was in New Zealand, and I was interviewing Anthony Butt, and he's a Hall of Famer, and I knew that, and we mentioned that, and then I didn't even know if he had won a New Zealand Cup, and I was like, so, have you had much luck on New Zealand Cup Day in the past? And You know, because I, I didn't know, and he's like, yeah, I won like three of them, and I'm like, oh, but it was perfect because well, you happened. know I didn't that know yeah. and yeah yeah and it was a fun moment we both laughed about it and um those are moments like with Facebook live which I love Facebook live but that is what live is about you know just going for it and uh, something like that happens it's perfect
3: it's really funny you mentioned something like that happening to you heather because I was at the jug working for harness racing america Oh, I don't know. Probably four or five years ago, and I forget. I, I want to say this was the year Wiggle It Jiggle It won the won the uh, little brown jug, but um, I, I won't divulge who gave me the wrong information. But he th- somebody texted me and said, "Hey, make sure you get this interview for us because you know we want to talk to George or whatever, and, and talk to him about um, uh, you know the fact that this was his first jug or whatever." So I was talking to him about it, and he looked me square in the face and goes, "Well, what about Southwind Links?" And I went, oh, dear Lord, (laughs) you know, Ah. you just have that moment where you're like, oh, man. But, you know, that's what makes this, you know, that's what makes the sport fun is, you you know, things like that happen, you know, and things are like that are going to come up and you just got to kind of know how to move past them.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's happened to both of us and it's going to happen to probably everybody out there in the past, present and future that's ever entered in harness racing or any other sport and yes it's genuine and that's good Heather, tell us a little bit about uh,
4: the USH, uh, the United States Hardest Writer Association Awards are coming up on February 24th, which is my birthday, just a little sidebar for everyone, <laughs> but uh, we'll all be down here, so I'm really excited. I haven't been back for about two or three years. So I'm excited to hang with you and my other favorite Heather, Heather Wilder. So I'll be excited to hang with you. But now are you going to be co-hosting and receiving the award or w- how's, what's going to happen here?
6: Heather Wilder and I do the Facebook Lives on what we call the red carpet. It's basically just us running around the cocktail hour, grabbing different award winners and different guests that are there and just having a really great time. And then uh, I believe it's Jason Settlemore and Roger Houston who will be doing the emceeing for the, the whole night. So Heather and I, uh, we do Cocktail Hour Facebook Live, and then uh, we get to kind of hang out and just watch the award winners, which is, is nice. I'll have both my boys there: I have a 17 year old Wyatt and an 11 year old Trey, and they're coming down as well, so I can be uh, mommy during the during the <laughs> dinner.
4: Now are we uh, are we hoping uh, the anticipation of maybe Sharton uh, N is up for Horse of the Year? So I mean, let's just talk about that real quick. That that's fun,
6: right? It's absolutely fun. I'm going to tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, she's horse of the year right now, you know? Uh, and if that's the announcement that happens, that's incredible. If the announcement is not that she is horse of the year and it's another horse, I mean, I know that the, right now, the odds on favorite is McWicked. Uh, you know what? That's okay too. I always believe in being dedicated to the process, but not actually holding on and being committed to what the outcome is necessarily. So, uh, you know, we're just proud of her, and this has been a dream come true. But, you know, I'm still – I'm holding out that uh, she's going to be horse of the year. Uh, I've, I've, there's – anything anything can happen in the in the voting, and I've seen anything happen in the voting before.
3: Now, now, Heather, one final question before we let you go, and this is the most important question of them all. Last year at the Ushua dinner, me and you – Kind of got to do our woos with Ric Flair, but how cool was it to meet Ric Flair last year? I know you're a huge WWE fan.
6: I'm huge. I'm I'm beyond huge. Uh, It was so great. I know, and I got that whole interview with him, and that is something that is in the top 10 best things. Ever in that's happened to me in my life, of course. I've given birth to two great kids and I um helped get the briar done for foiled again. Ric Flair is maybe number four there. (laughs) I mean, uh, that was huge. And yeah, I I have I love WWE, it's such such a fun thing to watch. And uh, you know, you talked about earlier, um, I've gotten the tank top off of Jeff Hardy and I sleep in it every night. That is a true. Story. I just did wash it the other day, and I was like, "All right, I've got to wash this thing. It's it, it still had his sweat on it and everything." <laughs>
0: oh, my I
6: might be divulging way too much in this uh, interview,
0: but
3: hey, listen, you know what? That's what that's what makes some of these interviews fun. Well, Heather, listen, congratulations on your award. We will both see you down in Florida, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to celebrate Wendy's birthday with her and uh, make it a good time.
4: Yes, Heather. That, oh, we're gonna celebrate. Summer. So We're gonna we are
6: going to celebrate. That's right. Yeah, 20, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and my 26th. So there you be go. Good.
3: All right, Heather. Thanks so much. Right.
6: Thanks. Love you guys. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
3: Okay, bye, Heather bye. Vital and Wendy, I'll tell you, she did, you know, she does some fantastic stuff in the sport of harness racing. Like she said, you know, it's not always, you know, um, you know, it's not scripted. And that's one thing I love about her and what she does.
4: Listen, if you meet Heather Vitali and you don't walk away with smiling, then you're just something's wrong with you. Because even right now, just interviewing her, she just made me smile and probably made my whole day. So, so deserved and, you know, hats off to her and I'll be looking forward to seeing her in Florida.
3: All right. Up next is the Monticello Goshen Leadership Award winner, Moira Fanning. We're going to pause 30 seconds for station identification. This is the Bet America Radio Network. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Wendy Ross. And we're joined now by the Monticello Goshen Leadership Award winner, Moira Fanning. Moira, first off, congratulations on your award. Uh, You were honored uh, last month uh, with this award. But I tell you, you you do such a great job with uh, dabbling in marketing in the industry. How, How do you keep it going and keep the batteries
0: charged?
7: Well, it's, it's easy when you're doing something that, uh, that you love. And, and good morning to you. I'm up in Toronto right now, um, actually at our first planning meeting for the Breeders' Crown here in October of, of 2019. So uh, that's an exciting thing for us. But when you work um, for the Hamiltonian Society, you're dealing with, uh, first of all, the, um, the, the cream of the crop as far as the events go with the Breeders' Crown and the Hamiltonian. And then the best part, the, the most energizing part of my job is talking with owners about their horses and the hopes they have for them and they stake them and then to meet them in the winter circle or even not the winter circle. It's good to see the realization of, of those dreams. <laughs>
3: Now, you know, what what kind of goes into setting up, uh, you know, the Breeders' Crown? Now, you guys take this event to different racetracks each and every year, and, and I'm sure each of them presents their own challenges. Each of them has their own pros and cons. You know, what kind of goes into deciding, first, deciding where the Breeders' Crown will go, and second, um, you know, kind of what goes into, you know, planning, and, you know, what makes the Breeders' Crown what it is? Well,
7: uh, the Breeders' Crown, you know, there's a lot of, uh, things in horse racing that have gone by the wayside, and the Breeders' Crown, which originated in 1984 under the auspices Tom Charters and the Hamiltonian Society board members at the time, Fred VanLeda, John Cashman, they wanted to run a parallel event. Uh, I-, I think both the Breeders' Cup and Breeders' Crown were, were born at the same time, and the original events went around to different racetracks, you know, eight or twelve different racetracks, and over time. Uh, I think this is our 36th year. That concept changed. Of course, we lost a lot of racetracks. The sport is contracted. But also the way people attend races is contracted, and the Breeders' Crown became more of a big event day and more uh, impactful that way. So we try to set a three-year rotation that we know where we're going um, for the next three years. We've had fantastic partners in the Meadowlands and WAG, in Hoosier Park, in uh, Mohegan Sun at Pocono. Excuse me, Hoosier in 2017 was actually our 31st host track, our, new, our, new, our first new host track in a while. So uh, what goes into it is, is a lot of legwork and a lot of planning in advance, as I said, two years out, three years out, uh, because it takes that kind of effort both from the host track and from us to, uh, you know, to pull off the event.
4: I think the events themselves more. It's Wendy Ross. How are you doing today?
7: Good and happy uh, premature birthday.
4: <laughs> Thank you. I'll be happy to see you down there as well. So, um, but, you know, the events themselves, you, uh, over the years, uh, the Hamiltonian Society has done such a great job making them such prestigious events, uh, the Hamiltonian being one of the, being our sport's biggest event, in my opinion, and then, of course, the Breeders' Crown. I think for, on a horseman's perspective, as far as an owner, trainer, driver, to be in these events is something, um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime appeal, and and, and that's, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for making it like that and keeping it on that prestige level
7: yeah well thank you and it really I'm a a lot of the public face as is tom and now john campbell but the society really deserves the credit for investing in this concept and as i said 36 years later there's a lot of races we've lost a lot of racetracks we've lost you know um and the crown has it, it may not have grown to the extent that we wish it would we're always trying to grow it and find ways to make it better But there's very few, um, you know, events that are still around and still maintaining $6 million purse level. The impact on Horse of the Year and the Divisional Champion is huge. I think we saw that in this year's voting as well. When you win the Breeders' Crown at the end of the year, you really have to try hard to lose the division after that. (laughs) So um, it's it's really, you know, again, the host track partners are what makes it special each year and keeps it fresh. Everybody has their own take on it. Um, you know, we, we, we've chosen tracks that, um, really want to do it and want to put their best foot forward and showcase the sport. And we haven't been here. Uh, we haven't been to Mohawk. since I want to say uh, like 2006, we've been to, to Woodbine. So I'm anxious to get over there and see all the changes they've made in the plant. And they've made a lot of management changes. And, uh, Really looking forward to a a great two-day weekend, which is October 25th and 26th. So get those passports ordered early.
4: Well, Michael and I certainly have ours, and we'll be ready to get up there and enjoy the fun of Breeders' Crown Weekend, and I'm excited uh, to get up there as well. You know, a question I have for you is, is you're definitely on the publicity end with the Hamiltonian Society. What do you think are some of the struggles that uh, that has the Hamiltonian Society has encountered, as well as harness racing, uh, even coming into the Hamiltonian and the Breeders' Crown as a whole uh, that is tied into harness racing that we've experienced? Are we losing crowds? Are we losing participation? How do you think, and it, it, that been affected and what do you think is affecting it overall
7: well i think harness racing has always been a niche market in the in the sport world in the press world you name it but the face of of pr and communications that has changed as well Um, newspapers used to be the only way that we got our information newspapers tv radio and that's not true anymore. I mean, the, people have fled traditional sources of, of uh, information as fast as uh, in the blink of an eye, and it's very difficult for businesses and sports to adjust to that. Uh, and, you know, it used to be that if we, we had uh, not just sports riders, three or four at every newspaper, but racing riders, and in harness racing, I think there may be one or two actual racing riders left who get a couple stories a year in the paper, and when I say in the paper, I mean obviously these papers have digital uh, platforms as well. So you're you're going across three platforms. But you know the newspaper was really racing's venue, entries, results, you know, articles, lead-ups, polls, roads to the Derby, roads to the Hamilton, and and we have not been uh, swift or or effective, I'll say, in adjusting ourselves to those. However. You know, digital, I'm not sure that we've lost ground there. I'm never sure how to measure the impact of digital uh, media or how accurate it is. But I will say that um, in harness racing, digital media, social social media opened up an enormous reach of people that we did not hit before. We may not have them coming to the racetrack, but we are informing them about the sport, as you guys do You know, through Facebook and and Twitter, etc. And I think there's probably more of an awareness now through um, social and digital media than ever before. And I think that continues to grow. And I, think that's all we and
4: I think that's all we can do is just continue to grow. And, and I think I, my biggest obstacle, and, Michael, what we work for every day, I'm sure what you guys do at the Hamiltonian Society with the events, is trying to get harness racing out of harness racing, getting it on the mainstream market, which seems to be our biggest obstacle. obstacle. But as you said, it is kind of a niche market. So I think that's you know, hopefully we can all just keep working together and, you know, keep doing the best that we can uh, to get that done. Michael, wouldn't you agree?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's, you know, we can always do more and always kind of try to publicize ourselves a little bit more. And you know, I, I think, you know, Moira, you guys do a heck of a job getting this stuff out to the AP. Uh, you know, I, I got to see firsthand for the Hamiltonian anyway, what it was like this year. Uh, you know, we had to make sure we went and took certain photos on certain days to make sure that the AP would run it. It's incredible to kind of see what that behind the scenes looks like.
7: Well it is. And as I said, you have to also remember that the sport, the USTA, the Society, major track very few tracks even have a full-time uh, PR person anymore. The USDA disbanded harness racing communications, and their mission was to try to speak, you know, off the sports pages. And, and we, uh, I, I, in fact, I remember we once, um, Society or Breeders' Found once gave uh, six figures for advertising in the USA today. This was in the late 80s, early 90s, because that was of the major metropolitan newspapers um, in New York the New York Daily News just let go of their, their sports editor, not their sports writers. They no longer even have a sports editor. So it's, it's not that harness racing hasn't tried or tried to keep pace or spent a lot of money. We had, we had Narma, which was uh, totally for that. It's just that the sport has changed, the dissemination of the sport has changed, and you've got to make effective use of your dollars. Hopefully we're doing that.
3: You know, Moira, one more question before we let you go. And we didn't get a chance to touch on this yet. Talk to us a little bit about what it meant to win the leadership award uh, in the Monticello Goshen Ushua chapter, uh, obviously well-deserved. And, uh, you know, you know, w- being honored with these types of things, is, you know, pro- I, would, I would say for, at least from winning that standpoint, probably never gets old, but, uh, you know, talk to us about what it meant to win that award. Well, there's a
7: personal aspect to it because I adore John Manzi and I, Loved his efforts. He single-handedly, um, you know, kept Monticello Raceway, which is a small racetrack. You know, no, not a lot of marquee names there, but he kept it on the front pages of TV. He really was an extraordinary PR man. And I don't come close to his, you know, to his um, expertise. And I, I think leadership in, in harness racing is going to come from people who respect it and want to see it survive. If, if there's a void, which there's plenty of voids in harness racing right now, it's incumbent on those people, I like count myself as one of them, Wendy. You guys are a perfect example of filling a void and, and moving the ball down the field. And let's do what we can, you know, to um, engage those people who want to be involved and who want to help lead and uh, go forward. And I'm just going to say something about the Ushua dinner in Orlando. We have, as always, uh, a tremendous crop of horse honorees, Um, you know, two undefeated trotters, chimpanzee and and Woodside Charm. uh, But the ones that I love the most are the small ones, people who never get the recognition. This is a tremendous event. The Caretaker of the Year was just announced today. Thanks, Sheila Napier. She'll be honored there. Ray as as a breakthrough. Um, Joe Panaccio as an amateur, even the people who get the Broodmare Awards, they're so thrilled and so excited uh, to be on the stage with um, people of the caliber of, of the Ron Burks and the Aaron Merrimans and the Yannicks. And, and it's our last chance to have a great time saying goodbye to Floyd again. And it's an, and that's why I, I take the role in Ushua that I do, because I want those people to be honored in the proper fashion and in the fashion they deserve. I want those horses, I want a Dan Patch Award to be a defining moment in your life. So I really urge everybody to, if you can't come, watch the live stream because there's very touching, heartfelt moments, not always where you expect them either.
3: You know, you know, it's interesting you say that because last year, um, you know, I, 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 I knew that Ric Flair was going to be there. I knew that, you know, that was in the works. But I remember going up to give my Breakthrough Award speech, and I looked out and Ric Flair staring at me in the face watching him give this speech. <laughs> and, and you talk about the nerves for a second there. You, you know, it, it, of course, there's always nerves when you get up in public speak in front of people. But then when you have somebody like his stature kind of look at you and, you know, watch you give this award, you know, it was really kind of cool. Um, and you don't – that's something you don't see every day. Uh, and you know, I, I know everybody was at last year's Dan patch uh, awards dinner, um, appreciated his appearance and, you know, got to kind of mingle with him a little bit and that's something we don't get to do every day. And it's, you know, kind of cool that our sport, uh, you know, highlights, you know, some of the smaller people, um, you know, it's not always about, you know, the Ron Burks, the Jimmy Tactors or what have you, you know, there's a lot of small stories out there and it's really cool. What, uh, what the Ushua, um, what the Ushua organization does to kind of get those small names out there.
7: I agree. And it's a, it's a great time. And, uh, I, I, I can imagine your nerves. I thought it was really cool that Rick Blair was there too.
3: All right, Moira, listen, thanks so much for taking time out, uh, to join us. We'll be seeing you in Florida here in just a couple of weeks and, uh, congratulations on your award.
7: All right. Thanks again, guys. And Wendy. Thank you, Moira. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye.
3: All right, that was Moira Fanning from the Hambletonian Society. And lots of you know, lots of great advice coming out on this show today, man. I'll tell you, Heather had some great stuff, Chris got some good stuff, Moira's got some great stuff. I'll tell you, we're you know, from an advice standpoint, a lot can be taken away from this show today.
4: Of the three people we've talked to so far, Michael, at least on my end especially, yep. there's not one of them that hasn't done something that I admire and has given me something. Um to want to succeed and, and to be like and to look up to, so you know, hats off to them, as I keep saying. But it, it, it's true though, you know, because they've set a standard and their standard is high, and, and it's given everyone kind of something to shoot for.
3: All right. Well, Ray Katolo is in the on deck circle. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, the 2018 Breakthrough Award winner, Ray Katolo, will join post time with Mike and Mike.
5: Post time, gates moving, they're off and it is on.
6: Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org.
1: Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown Champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown Champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good times, trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com.
3: Eight seven eight two extension five 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 five. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Wendy Ross, live from the USTA Studios in Columbus. We're joined now by Ray or Frank or Patrick Swayze, whatever your name is today, Ray. What's going on, man? (laughs)
2: Uh, Hi, gang. Thanks for having me on. And first, I'm, I'm sure that this is the interview everyone was waiting for through this entire show. And at the very least, I overheard you talking about the other guests on before, so I'm at least honored to probably be the least inspiring guest on
4: the <laughs> Ray, show Ray, I was excited. I'm excited.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> at least someone was.
3: So, so, so here's the key question, okay? Two, it actually, it's a two-fold question. It involves Twitter, okay? okay? First okay. of all, you change your name probably once a month on there, so nobody ever recognizes you. And number two, what's with the date thing?
2: The, well, the date, thing, the date thing is a complicated thing to explain, because if, if, if I explain it, it loses the allure. But at the same <laughs> time, that mystery is part of the explanation. Okay. But as and for the, it, name the name thing... The na- well, the, the, the name changes. its entirely a fun thing, because Twitter itself isn't necessarily a serious platform. It's one where almost absurdity is applauded, and I feel that at the very least, my presence on there my branding is kind of catered towards just the pure innocence of having fun. And to me doing stuff like that, I see other people who I admire do similar kinds of gags and such on there. And quite frankly, it's just ultimately trying to connect with people on that platform who don't really take it so seriously.
4: Well, I understand that concept, Ray, but what about what you said, like your branding? What if, if you're worried about the branding and people don't really, they're confused by your name changing every time, they're going to be like, well, what, who is, are they different brands? Like, are they different personalities for each one? Just explain to us a little bit about that um, as far as that goes.
2: Well, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, people, when it comes down to it, people know it's me. I am i am Ray. Last name is Circumstantial Cattolo. Uh But when people come to talk to me, they usually... I feel get the same experience that I give to other people. At least I hope that's the case. And ultimately, I'm just I'm out there trying to do different things each time. I'm trying to reinvent certain elements of myself as well as just ways and techniques that I go about doing things. And I feel at least it's a representation of that. So maybe it's not identifiable, but at the very least, people people see that it's my face on that's not that's not my face on Patrick Swayze's body I want to mind you I am actually that muscular and blonde in person Uh, but uh, (laughs) it but it's it's entirely just I feel kind of representative of my mindset of always trying to do something different
4: well Ray thank you so much for the explanation and whatever you're doing it's working so congratulations on that breakthrough (laughs) how does it feel uh, winning that award this year
2: uh, well, it felt kind of like fifth times the charm. It, it seemed like every year I was getting nominated for it, and now now I finally get the opportunity to be able to go down to Florida and finally feel like I'm a person who is welcomed into the industry, which for the kind of products that I try to do in the sport, aside from my regular sports writing stuff, stuff like my do North American Harness Update and when we do our live shows at racetracks across the country, it, it feels at least nice that us trying to, reinvent how we present the sport is at least being recognized at least by proxy through me. So it's definitely an honor. And I'm really excited to be able to go down and be a part of the ceremony entirely.
3: Now, Ray, talk to us kind of how you got involved with the Sport of Harness Racing. I know you started writing at a really young age, and uh, you've kind of grown up in the Sport of Harness Racing. You helped to work with North American Harness Update. Uh, You've taken it over and made it into its own little thing. It's been kind of cool to watch. Uh, How in the world did all this kind of come about?
2: Uh, Well, it was around, I think it was like 10 or 11 when I started working with my dad at the Hambo Society, and we essentially just kind of did regular press releases in terms of, Covering the Hamiltonian, leading up to the Hamiltonian, just trying to build up hype to that. And then from there, I kind of just went off on my own and wanted to prove that I am capable of doing whatever it is anyone else in the sport does. And I started the Racing Inquirer, which was this dumb little blog spot uh, website where I would just for free, out of my own free time, uh, cover races live and I would beat everyone to press doing so. And then that's when I got my job at the Red Mile. I was offered. Uh, the opportunity to be able to cover the Grand Circuit over there. Then from there, I made connections with people like up at WEG, and I do uh, press work for the Woodbine Entertainment Group now as well, standard Canada. I am now on staff there as a managing editor. I cover and help run the newsroom time and time again, and it's just it's really a rolling ball from there. I don't know, went back to when I was 10 or 11 just in the basement watching races with my dad and writing about them as they went.
4: Well, Ray, you definitely – done a lot along the way and, and you've you said you mentioned some years but how old are you exactly
2: uh i i mean physically 19.
4: physically how yeah. old?
2: <laughs> physically 19. <laughs> <laughs>
3: based off I, of I, I you
2: if you want to talk like mentally in terms of like spirit maybe it's closer to 90 i don't know
3: well, well, well. Listen, and, and you know that's the thing. You you've gotten a chance to do a lot of really cool things in in a, in a really short period of time as a younger person in the sport of harness racing. And I think that's important. I think Wendy can agree with me on this. Is we need more young blood in the sport. There, we've got to somehow build that, that dying off base. And you know the the cool things you've done with like North American Harness Update and the stories that you write and things of that sort. You know, it's just helping to build for the greater good. Yeah, part
2: of me was kind of conflicted about winning the award because it always kind of felt like I wasn't deserving of it because there were always younger people who did much more than me. So either I was doing a lot more than I thought I was, or, then this is the kind of worrying part that you brought up, that I don't really feel there are young people working inside of media in the sport nowadays. And quite frankly, I'm not necessarily sure uh, where it goes from me because I I can only hope that the stuff that I do trying to be able to bring that youth voice into the sport is able to uh, kind of spread out through the waves of the internet and then inspire other people to be a part of the industry and work within the industry. But I, I also don't want to think I have that much credit to give. I, I just go out every week and I do whatever it is. I feel like I want to do with my show. And then whenever it comes to work, I just go, I log on, I do the job and then I log off and I go back about my day. So I'm not necessarily sure. How much I can do to help contribute to bringing more youth into the sport, I do my darndest, but it definitely uh, is a concern that we've felt and understood in the industry for a long time that I think just at the end of the day comes down to trying to make it a welcoming atmosphere for the youth, and I feel at least I contribute to that.
4: Oh, Ray, you certainly do. And don't tell yourself short at all. You know, anything you can do to help is much appreciated, especially uh, for someone like Michael and I who are, you know, now in the position that we are for the USCA. We're always looking to see what others are doing and kind of help them along the most we can. Racetracks, helping other racetracks, trying to help, um, you know, because we need to promote our sport by ourselves for ourselves. So, um, you know, doing that and just setting an example is is what you've done and what you can continue to do. So definitely don't sell yourself short and keep up the good work for sure. Michael.
3: Yeah. Right. You know, that that's really, I mean, we, we talked about advice on this show throughout the whole program and, and, and you know, If anybody can be inspired from, you know, from the Heather Vitalis, the Chris Goodens, the Moira Fannings, and then we got to look at people like Ray Catolo, you know, look at everything that he's done. From the you know from the time he got into the sport of harness racing to now, it's just an incredible, um, incredible thing. Well, Ray, uh, real quick before we let you go, give yourself a uh, give yourself a plug. Uh, let's let's. How can we find you on Twitter? How can we find out about uh, North American Harness Update? I know you guys have a website as well. Uh, give us some of those details.
2: That's right, nahupicks.com. Nihopix.com, you can catch uh, live streams of the show every week. We stream from Fridays 9 to 11. We also stream over on 148.ca black slash 1. That's our radio station. We also have racing analysis on Nihopix.com, free analysis. We hook up with the Meadowlands Racetrack, the Raceway Western Fair District, and Woodbine Mohawk Park, and we help provide analysis for their races to help promote betting across all platforms, uh, either on track, off track, so on and so forth. I'm on Twitter. At Ray Catolo, uh, you can catch me sometimes tweeting about racing and then whatever else comes to my mind, including what day it is, because I know sometimes I have to remind myself. Of At NA Harness Update on Twitter, Of uh, ultimately just to watch North American Harness Updates Fridays 9 to 11. That's going to be the priority of stuff you're going to see from me in harness racing. Everything else is pretty much behind the scenes.
3: All right, Ray. Well, listen. Congratulations on your breakthrough award uh, from one breakthrough award winner to the other. And uh, listen, we'll uh, we'll be seeing you down in Florida.
2: All right. I hope so. All
3: right, Ray. Thanks so much. All right. That was Ray Katolo, the 2018 breakthrough award winner. Has done some fantastic things in the sport of harness racing, and he's a heck of a writer too.
4: Yeah, he certainly has put out some good work. And as he said, been doing it since he was a youngster and continuing to do it. So he's doing good things and much appreciated, that's for sure.
3: All right. We're going to take one final time out when we come back. Wendy Ross and I will close this thing out. We also, real quick, want to talk about the caretaker of the year. Uh, was just announced uh, about an hour ago. We'll get to that and close this thing out. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America.
1: Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations. Obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple
3: sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website.
1: Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts and a Breeders' Crown Champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown Champion. Also the sire of the second-richest two-year-old Philly Pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, My MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including... Good times trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Dummy
3: me forgot to push the unmute button on the computer, so okay. we've been talking this whole time and just talking to ourselves, you know. This is hey, it is. Hey, you know. I'm know. Just along for the ride, so okay. But...
7: Well,
3: let's let's go. Okay, so let's okay start all over. Take two. You know, Aaron's been doing some great, Aaron Merriman's been doing some great things, great accolades, 11,000 wins. And we were talking about the hustle uh, that you got, er, hustle. that we've created. And, and I'll tell you, it's one thing that, you know, I, I'm excited to see. You know, it was kind of cool to watch, um, you know, some of the snippets that we've seen already and, and kind of see, hear him talk about his career.
4: Yeah, congratulations uh, to Aaron on winning that 11,000th win last night. Uh, you know, he he does it uh So easily, it seems like, but uh, the day of the hustle, you'll get to see what he goes through and how sometimes just getting in the car for him is is the hardest thing he has to do. But once he gets going, he certainly finds his way to the winner's circle. But part one will be coming out uh, very soon. Our uh, director, uh, Rich Johnson, is working on it vigorously, and it'll be a three-part series. So it'll be coming out uh, in the next couple weeks, uh, uh, back-to-back.
3: Now, couple of quick other things real quick. Lather Up is back for 2019. He'll return in his four-year-old season. It'll be really cool to see how he uh, progresses throughout the year.
4: Yeah, I think it'll be really cool to see him. You know, he's kind of a small little fellow. I'd like to see him probably grow up a little bit coming into four. And, you know, I, I think he had a tremendous year. And uh, he he definitely did, you know, all he could do. And I think he's going to be a great four-year-old.
3: Last but not least, Sheila Napier. i tell you, amazing caretaker of the year, 2018.
4: She's one of those girls that, uh, growing up in Ohio, you've seen her. She's from southern Ohio, I believe, and, and worked uh, for Ron Potter Ron Potter for many years, and then now for Chris Beaver. So she's one of uh, the hardest-working girls, if you see her running around. And she's took, took care of some really, really nice horses, Michael, and well-deserved our her part. So congratulations.
3: All right. Well, listen, Wendy, thanks so much for stepping up to the plate. I know Mike Bozich enjoyed the day off. Mike, whatever you're doing, it's not Mike and Mike. So uh, listen. You know, we were able to have some fun together, though.
4: Michael, happy birthday to Betty White as she's ninety-seven today. So
3: ninety-seven? What? That's I, about as old as foiled again.
4: Well, let me <laughs> tell you something. I if I, I don't ever want to make to ninety-seven, but congratulate. You know, don't
3: say that. We no. want you to get to ninety-seven. Come on.
4: I hope I'm as sharp as Betty White when I'm
0: ninety-seven, but I doubt it.
3: All right, we'll see everybody next week. First post is ten thirty a.m. We'll see you back here next Thursday morning. Have a great week, everybody.